Welcome to From the Booth. This is the sixth episode of From the Booth, a podcast about the films playing at BYU International Cinema this fall, semester 2021. I am Marie-Laure Oskerson, Assistant Director of International Cinema, and I'm joined today by Professor Corinna Tanner. Welcome, Corinna. Thank you so much for having me. Corinna Tanner is a clinician scientist who joined the Brigham Young University College of Nursing as an assistant professor in 2019 after completing her PhD and a two-year National Institutes of Health Research Fellowship in Cancer, Aging, and End of Life. She's a registered nurse and holds postmaster certificates in gerontology, adult nurse practitioner training, and an international certificate in caring and healing. Corina is devoted to patient-centered care and maintains an ongoing clinical practice at the University of Utah Moran Eye Center, where she has worked since 2011, creating curriculum designed to help older adults with vision loss to maintain their independence and quality of life. We are so happy to welcome you, Corina, and have this conversation. Our week is the series is called The Gift and Burden of Years. And we're going to explore some of those gifts and burdens together. One of the films that we would like to highlight in our podcast is the French film Amour from 2012 from Michael Haneke. It got the Cannes Film Festival Palme d'Or in 2012. It also received an Academy Award for Best International Feature Film in um, 2013 and many, many more awards. This film is an honest look at what it means to age. It's heartbreaking, but it underscores as well many important and relevant issues of our time. What, what are some of the things that were striking to you, Corina, as you watch this film about what does it what it means to age? Well, there are so many important concepts underscored in this film. I don't know if I would say that this film might tell us the whole picture of what it means to age, because as you'll see when you watch the film, it shows a story of a husband and wife dealing with the wife's increasing disability and loss and increasing frailty. But to say that these issues of disability, loss, and frailty encompass the experience of aging would not be a correct perspective. There are many other wonderful things that there are, there are many older adults who don't experience these kind of a slow decline or a hardship like this. So that's, that's really important. In fact, we know in the U.S. that if you talk about older adults age 65 and older, only 2% reside in long-term care settings. This means that 98% are out in the community and many are active and independent. Even when we get to age 80, there's only 7% who reside in long-term care. Having said that, this film does underscore the very important work that is being done by family caregivers and non-paid informal caregivers. It's true. The society and the community that emerges when the wife has her strokes, it's very interesting to see that relationship between the couple who is dealing with a, a real trauma. And I'm glad that you pointed out that this is not an experience that everybody has in their lives, that quality of life can be, can be very, very, very good. Here we see something that 
the quality of life that that's decreasing, but the community is there. What in your experience as a professional in this area and dealing with aging, what, what can you tell us about caregiving to the older population in our society? Yes, let me speak about two things. One, because we're LDS and we can share an LDS perspective. And isn't it interesting and fascinating that we will have the experience of mortality We're in autumn right now, and we see the leaves changing on the trees. They go from their their beautiful spring blossoms to their full leafy summer, and then to the autumn with the brilliant colors. And, and we're going to head into winter where the plants die. The leaves are barren. They're frozen and brittle. And we ourselves in our bodies will experience this type of mortality from growing as a little child into the full bloom of our fertility and adulthood and then into frailty. And there's something really special about it because this is the only time in all of eternity we will experience this. And so in a way, it's something to be savored. When we look back in the eternity, from the eternities to this mortal experience, we will have an understanding of something that we never would have otherwise But back to caregiving, we see in the film Amor, the husband stepping into the role of a caregiver from his very first experience of helping his sweet wife to transfer from her wheelchair to a chair. And she tells him how to do it. Put your arm behind me, then lift here. Now, these types of skills, like moving from a chair to a bed or a wheelchair to a chair, these are called personal care or activities of daily living. So he starts taking on the role of helping her with these activities of daily living or personal care. These are dressing, grooming, using the restroom. We saw very poignant experience with that and this is not an experience that is rare and unique in this film we could say in the u.s that 70 to 80 percent of health care is provided by family and informal caregivers this is family friends and neighbors if we were to put a monetary value on the value of that care that's being provided, it would be $470 billion a year. At the moment, we have about 45 million caregivers. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from Rosalind Carter, the former first lady, she said, you either were a caregiver, are a caregiver, will be a caregiver, or will need a caregiver. This is an issue that affects everyone. And so if this film underscores anything, it's that the work of caregiving is challenging, that our caregivers need support and resources, and maybe that there's a lack of understanding of how to support and to provide resources. So I hope we can talk a little bit more about if we know and when we know someone who is providing care, how can we support them? Or if it's us, how can we keep the oxygen on ourselves? Here's something that's that's kind of sad and poignant. We saw in the film Amor that the husband had some health issues and frailty of his own. And it's actually not uncommon when we're talking about older adult caregivers that the person providing care passes away 
before the person that they're caring for because the work is, is strenuous and arduous. They may be going without sleep. They may not be getting good nutrition. And so it, it is a, a really important issue of our time. Well, you mentioned the support and the resources that and the challenging situation that the family caregiving people can experience. Yes, would you please let us know what are some of the of what what are some things that we can do to support the caregivers in our families and how we can maybe prepare ourselves someday to be those caregivers. There's a couple of ways that we can help caregivers. One is through advocacy. We can advocate for resources that go towards caregiving support programs. These could be government resources or community resources. The types of things that exist that are supportive of our caregivers are, for example, daycare centers where someone could bring their loved one to be comfortable and cared for, have some activities to do a meal so you can have a little bit of break or respite care. Respite care is another thing. Maybe there could be funding and resources to provide home health aids. Now we have a shortage of home health aids, certified nursing assistants and nurses. But to advocate for resources for training for those individuals and for increased pay for those individuals and then some type of a provision where families who are caregiving, let's say they have a loved one, there's four, right now in the U.S. there's 14 million older adults who are caring for a loved one with dementia. And so if, if there were resources gar garnered towards giving them a little bit of respite, someone to come by and stay with their loved one while they ran to the grocery store or went to church or what have you, that could be really, really wonderful. Now on a personal level, if it's a family member or a friend or a loved one who is a caregiver, some of the things that we could do that might be helpful or supportive, we're pretty good at in the LDS faith, bringing in a meal, bringing in meals on a regular basis. I have a friend who was caring for her husband and it was getting intense. It was getting real. We saw in the film Amour how this decline of physical ability created more and more demand for care. So they brought in a dinner every night. And instead of this accumulation of dishes that this caregiver now had to sort and, and get back to the people, they would just simply put the dishes outside of their door dirty. Once they were used, the person would drop off the meal, then pick up the dishes the next day. No problem. That, that could be a huge help. Also help with cleaning, just buzzing in, scrubbing down the kitchen, scrubbing out the inside of the microwave, maybe providing quick and easy freezer meals um, or cut up fresh fruit, scrubbing down a bathroom. Another example that I saw in action that was so helpful and so wonderful is that a woman who wanted to support someone who was really involved in caregiving would pick up their laundry in a big bag once a week and return it nicely folded. Directing your friends or loved ones who are caregiving to good resources. If you enter into a Google search or into your phone, caregiving plus any topic, you could say caregiving osteoarthritis, caregiving stroke, caregiving dementia, you will be linked to resources that are really very helpful. These are very, very helpful. Uh, suggestions that that you have 
coming back to the film, we can see that that help is not always received. There is many feelings that arise when the wife declines physically. And we can see that at first she does not want the husband to feel guilty because he's not doing enough. So maybe there is that that feeling of like, we can never, never do enough for people in that situation. Another thing that I got from that film is the importance of dignity and how humiliating it can be like in some situations to lose that physical ability that was so taken for granted for many years, right? When we're not sick and we're healthy and we can do whatever we want. So this this need to rely on others, this embrace of the other because of this excruciating need, physical need, emotional need, but then as well, this, this need for independence and, and dignity, what are some of the things that we should consider as we, we help people who are in dire situations and, and need, need our attention? Yeah, so many issues you raised there. You know, 80% of people, if asked, will say that they would like to die in their home. In reality, 60% of people die in the hospital and 20% die in a long-term care setting, and only 20% do die at home. One thing to consider, if you want to die at home, you have to make a plan of who will care for you. It's really rare that you go from being really healthy and independent to being gone. Usually there's a space of time between those two things and you will need care. So that's something for all of us to consider and think about who will care for us. And we can even actually make plans in advance directives and talk to have those difficult conversations with family members and loved ones, kind of start getting that acceptance going in our own mind that this is something that I recognize will happen and I have planned for it. I've talked with my daughter. She's listed in my advance directive is, you know, she knows that I want to be at home or my husband or what have you, something that can be planned for. Another thing that we need to kind of maybe shift our thinking a little bit. Now we use the term caregiver and that's the common term and this and this is the term that's used in much of the research literature, but there's kind of a shift away from this towards care partner. We know in these relationships where we're providing care for someone, it's not a one-way street. In the movie Amor, the man and his sweet wife, they had conversations and reminiscence and tenderness. This was a two-way street. It was not a one-way street. So caregiving, we could maybe more rightly called care partnering. Now, with regards to dignity, if you want to help provide dignity for someone who is compromised, who needs help with their activities of daily living or personal care. There's several ways you can do that. One thing that you can do is you can avoid what's called elder speak, calling someone sweetie, baby, darling. Talk to them just the way that you would talk to one of your peers. Don't call little pet names or pat them on the head. You know, they may use a wheelchair or be in bed. You don't pat them on the head. Don't call them um, little, even sweet names. Try to treat them as you would treat a peer. Another thing to do would maybe to be think of ways to give them choices 
wherever possible. Maybe even these choices are fairly limited. It may be, would you like to sleep in or would you like to have breakfast? Would you like to brush your hair first or brush your teeth first? Would you like to read a book or would you like me to read a book to you? Think of ways to give them as many choices as possible. And this is another way to increase dignity of the situation. Of course, always protecting their privacy. Maybe it's more convenient not to put a pair of pants on someone who's using protective briefs, but you would do that if they felt more comfortable. Um, keeping them covered, keeping them clean, all good ways to help uh, protect their dignity. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all this. Can you tell us more about your work at the University of Utah Moran um, AI Center? And I'm not saying this right, probably Moran. I'm not sure. Help me. <laughs> it's Moran Eye Center. Moran. Yes. Okay. Okay. We have a wonderful eye hospital in Salt Lake. It's associated with University of Utah Hospital. It's up on the University of Utah healthcare campus there. And we have thousands of eye surgeries take place there. But I have a really unique and wonderful experience to work there in the patient support program. We have a full-time program to support patients who are experiencing vision loss. Many of these are older adults. Mm -hmm. um, most of the leading causes of irreversible blindness are either exclusive to aging or dramatically increase with age. And this would be age-related macular degeneration, glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy. I myself am blind. So this is the most exciting thing ever for me that I was able to find a niche in nursing that was very rewarding, not despite my blindness, but because of my blindness. So my own experience with disability definitely colors my view of, of what it's like to live with a disability. I do create curriculum classes and support groups at the Moran Eye Center in support of older adults maintaining their independence. We all want to maintain our independence as much as we can and to the degree possible. And for people with vision loss, that's definitely a reality. Definitely, you can maintain your independence. Wow, very, very interesting. Thank you so much for the, that insight. Another question I had for you was your understanding, knowledge, thoughts on euthanasia, medical aid and dying in the context of Utah, in the context as well of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, maybe more broadly in the United States? Yes, this is an issue of our time. When we talk about now, this probably came as a shock to people watching the movie, and it did to me too, the decision that the husband made should i not give it away <laughs> not because this this podcast will be out as people will watch the film so i mean we okay. could put a, a warning and say don't listen to it until you watch the film or maybe we can talk about it because some people might need that psychological uh support and and help this is a, a very disturbing ending so yes. feel free feel free we can we can okay. put a little disclaimer if you want mm -hmm. Yes, this film underscores a very important issue of our time. Issues of euthanasia, medical aid in dying, what sometimes we call death with dignity, or sometimes call physician-assisted suicide. We have 11 states in the United States so far that have legalized 
physician-assisted suicide. This is where the person actually has to be cognizant and able to make a decision for themselves. There, there are definite rigid guidelines about who can make this decision. It varies from state to state, but in general, you have to be kind of on the end of a terminal diagnosis and have multiple physicians document this, and you have to be capable and able to make the decision for yourself. I know that this is an issue in Europe too. It's, it's sweeping across Europe and becoming legalized. It can be a very slippery slope because a third of Medicare expenditures are expended in the last six weeks of life with life-saving interventions and surgeries and resuscitations and ICU care, really that are fruitless. I mean, these are at the end of life. I feel that it's a slippery slope because once it's legalized, that you can legally end life, it's a short step away to the responsibility to end life, mm-hmm. to ease the human suffering, or to say, or on a healthcare level. So it, it's fraught with challenging issues. Uh, interestingly enough, we do have an official church statement mm-hmm. on physician-assisted suicide. And there's also a marvelous book that anyone could pick up that would be really interesting and helpful to read. It's written by Russell M. Nelson. Mm-hmm. It's called The Gateway We Call Death. And he does speak to a doctrinal perspective on, first of all, prolonging life with life support, uh, intubation and G-tubes and tracheostomies and all the things that we can do to prolong life. And should we do those things and when should we do them and when should we not? It's a very personal and often very painful and fraught with lots of emotion. But a general overarching principle is if there is no hope for a quality of life or continued functioning and interacting as a human being. For example, if somebody's brain damaged and they will not ever regain consciousness, then we don't advocate for prolonging life just to prolong life. Mm-hmm. There has to be a reason. Now, when it comes to ending life, Russell M. Nelson speaks in this book and also the church's official statement on death with dignity about as LDS people, we believe that all of our experiences, be they good, bad, or ugly, give us rich understanding uh, that will be of great value to us in the eternities, even the painful ones. This isn't to say we should withhold comfort care or withhold pain management. We're definitely believe in doing all we can to ease human suffering. But also, we don't believe that just because there is suffering, we should end life. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you so much for all this information. I think our students are ready to see to see this film and the other films. And some of them are, are lighter as well. They don't address this this very painful experience that the, the couple finds themselves in, in, in Amour. But definitely, 
the experience of watching these films to gain more understanding as well. I hope that our students will not shy away from from films that address real difficult issues, that they will come with an attitude of, of understanding better and of gaining more compassion for people who live something that is so different from their own lives and that it will open open up their minds and their hearts for things to come in, in their own lives. I'm so grateful for, for your time. Is there anything that you would like to add to end this podcast? Well, maybe just a couple of important take-homes and important things to consider. Our population is aging. Right now in the United States, there are about 45 million people age 65 and older, but by the year 2050, this will increase to 90 million. We will have twice as many older adults. It's not just that we have more older adults because we know we have a big group of baby boomers, a large group of the population who are getting older, but also we're living longer. Uh, you know, a child today who's 10 years old, think about if you know a 10 year old, they have a 25% chance of living to be 100. And so with that older age comes increased disability. And one of the things that this film really provides is kind of a very intimate and insider view of what that decline is like for the woman who's experiencing it, but also for those who love her and care for her. And also it underscores, again, the incredible work of our family caregivers. Oh, wonderful words. Well, thank you very much, Corina. And thank you to all for joining us today on From the Booth. Our podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU and supported by the BYU College of Humanities. We're solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here as they do not represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. As always, we thank our producer, Devin Glenn, and our sound engineer, Marina Ekstrom-Pratt. We would also like to acknowledge the musical talents of Johnny Stallings, who wrote and recorded music for the podcast. Until next time, see you in 250 of the Kimball Tower.